Welcome back to the 4A podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You've been through the National League, you've been through the AL East, and today we're bringing to you the AL Mediocre, otherwise known as the AL Central. This division throughout the whole year just strove for mediocrity, and finally at the end, a team emerged in the month of September. We'll tell you about that team and every other disappointing team below them. How are we doing today, boys? Pretty good. I'm so excited to review the Mickey Mouse uh, division. I love I love the Guardians, but uh, we're about to talk about a bunch of disappointing seasons today, Stavs. This team just – or this this division just is a bunch of mediocre teams. It's mid, and that's all I really have for right An eternal now. rebuild. An eternal depression for every single one of these teams' fan bases. They really took the synonym of central, changed it to middle, and then just got rid of the dull and just changed it to the AL mid because that's what they yep. were this year. This division was, it was it, the funny thing was it was ridiculously competitive for like four or five months of the season, but it was just is who could strive for a little bit more than mediocrity. And it ended up being that the guardians actually turned out to be a pretty good team down the stretch. Uh, the twins held the division for four months and didn't ended up, end up winning it. They didn't even end up above 500. And then, you know, the white Sox, like Tom, you had them projected to be the second best team in baseball, right? Like, I think was that that sound right? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a, right I'm I'm a perennial White Sox hater, but because they were in such a poor league, I mean a poor division, I I thought that they would have like when you're such when you're such a powerhouse and you find yourself in a in a such a bad division, you expect them to win a lot of games. Uh, and we'll go more into that when we actually review. Stez, what do you got? What's the you reason? had them at ninety one and seventy one, followed by you had yeah. So your rankings for this was. White Sox at 91 and 71, Twins 79 and 83, Tigers at 76 and 86, and the Guardians also at 76 and 86, and then the Royals at 65 and 97. I think yeah, you I got just, that I right. That I got the, I mean, you I had, yeah, I you the, had the Royals spot on. I got the Royals and the, um, the Twins, right? The Twins, twins were 74. Wins, I thought. Uh, I don't, I don't 78, know. 78, 78 and 84. So I, w- I was close just moving around some teams. I, I, I knew that, um, the 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 um Tigers showed some form of life at the end of the last of last season, so that's why I gave them some recency bias. But they clearly it was just a fluke. Yeah. Um, but you guys want to hop into the uh, winners of the division first? Oh, a hundred percent. All right. Well, this is probably Bro, probably start. my favorite team in this division. Got a root for them. Got family up there. But um, the Cleveland Guardians. Um, what a season and what a run in the playoffs. Um, to upset and I mean they didn't beat the Yankees, but. To give the Yankees quite a scare in the playoffs was was impressive from a David versus Goliath like situation. Um, I don't think did any of us have this team actually winning the division. Well, at the beginning of the year, no. I think I think we all had the White Sox. I think like, we all had Aiden had the White Sox and I had the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so you you had a breakout season from the following. You got Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, Tristan McKenzie. I mean, Ahmed Rosario was fantastic. Classe solidified a spot as like the best closer in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, James Karinchak seemed to return to his true form after the sticky stuff crackdown. Uh, Naylor was fantastic. Um, yeah, Bieber still playing at an elite level, just consistent. Uh, and I think an underrated season from Cal Control. I, I don't know. This is this is one of the best run team in baseball. Like the, one of the best run teams, and they're doing it. Uh, I, I got the statistic. With the 28th highest payroll in baseball, there there are 30 teams in baseball, obviously. So that that's the second lowest payroll in baseball, and 
for their preseason ranking, they were ranked by ESPN as the 20th best team in baseball. And they gave them a 15% chance of making the playoffs. That if that doesn't say anything about the front office, Terry Francona and the rookies that they've they've developed over the years, it's it's very impressive. And I think that that this is probably yeah. Okay. Uh Brad, what do you guys say on this? So I think it's really a testament to the fact that they trusted their rookies and how good their player development offices and minor league systems are. Like we've seen it time and time again. Like they're not going out and signing these free agent pitchers. They're they're calling them up from the minor leagues. And it's just been a factory. It's went with Kluber, Clevenger, that reigned through 2014 through 2019. And they passed the helm off with Bieber at the front now. Tristan McKenzie had his breakout year. Cal Quantro had a good year. But it's just over and over again, they're able to produce, and it's looking like they are starting to be able to do that on the offensive side, and that really showed this year. And obviously having someone like Terry Francona who's like, hey, you know, we're going to stick to this philosophy. This is our team identity. We're going to put the ball in play. We're not going to be the most powerful team, but we're going to put the ball in play, put competitive at-bats and play really good defense, and they stuck to that, and it showed. Yeah, and I mean, this is Moneyball at its best, I I think, in my opinion. This is where it works. Um, I I think... Comparing it to their 2016 um, World Series team, not the one that they won, but you know they lost. But that 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 dominant team. Usually, you go into a rebuild, and that usually lasts for a while. But they seem to be right back into it just a couple years later, um, and they've always been threatening in the postseason. So it's not like that that devastation of a uh, a rebuild like the AAs and the Nats. You know, Brad, what do you got on that? Uh, honestly, I was going to draw a little comparison to them. I think if they had money to spend, they would be the Astros. Because they're, they're able to pump more and more prospects out of the system like the Astros are doing. Like you look at the team that just won the World Series and so many of these players came from within their development. If the Guardians were able to do this, like have the money that the Astros do, like you know, spending nearly $200 million each year, and they can sign these guys long-term and they don't have to trade them away, I would think that they could be standing with the Astros stand right now. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think Cleveland, I wouldn't compare them to these smaller market teams like Tampa Bay and Oakland. I feel like they're in they're in a class above them. So I feel like they have some room to spend. I don't know if they're going to make a big splash in the offseason because I don't know where you would replace any players on this team. They're really top to bottom, pretty like – Sure would be my only – Yeah. First base. So, I mean, yeah. Um, Stas, I'm curious what you got, what you got out of this. Uh, I know you're not like an avid uh, Cleveland watcher, but – uh, no, I'm not. But I mean, they got pieces that are just exciting to watch. Like coming into the year, you had that stretch with Stephen Kwan, um, where he hadn't. Well, what it? What was it? He didn't miss strike out. Pitch. He didn't he swing and out. miss for his first yeah, 116 yeah. pitches seen in the major leagues. Yeah. So I mean, that's impressive in and of itself, right? And you come into the league and you're seeing these harder throwing guys. Like, yeah, it's similar to the minors, but the major leagues is a completely different thing. And you come in and you don't swing miss a single pitch and you, it, it's kind of, it was a good way for Cleveland to kind of kick off the year and had people talking about the guardians and it's first, first year under the new name, stuff like that. Right. So it was exciting to see that. And then you, you just, it was just, again, top to bottom. It's, it's, this is a team sport and the guardians play it like it is a team sport. Yeah, they definitely run the hand the baton off to the next person mentality. Um, I think someone that Tom you left out that had a pivotal role in this team was Andres Jimenez. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
Andre Jimenez comes in like he has, I think he has probably the most weight on his shoulders coming in because of the other rookies, they're trying to solidify themselves. This is Jimenez's second year. He was the guy that they got for Francisco Lindor. Like they also got Ahmed Rosario, who's more of a veteran, but Andres Jimenez was supposed to be the replacement and he played better than Lindor this year. Like Andres Jimenez went out, won the gold glove. He posted a 141 or 141 OPS plus, And, you know, he put up 6.1 war. Like that's what you want out of a guy. And if you're going to get that every single year, then you won this trade because you're not paying him $34 million a year. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they got him before his contract ends for a while, right? I mean, before free agency. They got him at pre-arb. Like, yeah, he, yeah, so I mean, he's, th- he's this, team, this team is young, and they're not going to have to spend much money at all uh, for the next couple of years. So that's why I think they should try and make a couple of big splashes in free agency. I know they don't have ne- necessarily that much money. Um but I guess a question I had for you, Brad, um, with the whole sticky stuff crackdown, we talked about this in the last episode in the AL East. Um, I honestly thought the careers of maybe Garrett Cole and James Karnchak and several others were over when they started to uh, decrease in value when the sticky stuff crackdown happened. And you have another comeback season um, similar to Garrett Cole where he started becoming effective again. James Karnchak was – absolutely horrible after the crackdown i mean i remember him losing his position to uh class a uh losing the closing role um and he came back this year i think he battled some injuries but when he came back he was looking like he did uh pre-crackdown so i do you think he's found another way around it or do you think it was mechanical i think there's definitely a way of like finding a sticky stuff but like more of a natural one um i think obviously like having that does benefit him confidence wise, but I think it was more of knowing that your stuff's still going to play well. Cause he has such a unique arm angle where he's not going to, he doesn't have to have like the rising fastball that some other players have to rely on. Like he can still have a pretty consistent fastball where it maintains his plate, but it's not necessarily rising. And he did that this year and you saw it in his numbers. I believe he struck out 62 people in about 39 innings. Like he was back to form. And I think so much of, there are there are players and then there are characters. He's a character. Like you see that K strut every time he strikes someone out to end the eighth inning. And I think when he's able to be that character, he's a better baseball player. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of having characters on the team. Um, I mean, I don't watch that much Indians baseball, but I mean, I guess this brings us into the next thing, which I think we did talk about. The Guardians. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll have to bleep that out. That's okay. Um, you had a lot of characters on this team. Um, I guess that brings me into the question of what did you guys think about Josh Naylor's rocking the baby while you're losing in the uh, in the pivotal game? That's showing character, but is it the wrong character? I, I would say I don't know. I I think I think you gotta you gotta put your team up before you start celebrating like that. Um, just not the right situation. I think it's good for baseball that someone like like he did that, but you also have to be able to take it when it happens. And he was he did like he was able to take it when it happened. So I think that situation is fine. So yeah. for me, I think there's a line between celebrating and sh- and being like happy that you did the right thing, right? And then that, in my opinion, right? Like that's going going around them. If you do it once or twice going around the bases, like going between first and second, that's fine. He did it the whole trot. He kept <laughs> he kept going and kept screaming about 
how he owns Garrett Cole and whatever, right? Like, that's... I mean, yeah, I mean, you almost, get it. You almost quoted him word for word, too. But, um, I, I think, I think to a certain degree, it, it became Josh Naylor being more happy that he hit a home run off Garrett Cole than the fact that he almost brought the team back. You know, I feel like... I agree. I, yeah, it became more about Josh Naylor hitting a home run against Garrett Cole than about the Cleveland Guardians coming back in the game. Yeah, I, I'm not an old head. I, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, the memes that we got were fantastic, like Josh Naylor holding the L, which is I mean, it's just all funny. Um, but you got a lot of characters on the team that I, I like. I like how they call uh, Oscar Gonzalez SpongeBob. You know, I like I, I like, I like, the, I like the whole Oscar team Gonzalez. That was a guy I wanted to talk about because he kind of emerged in the playoffs, and it's good to see. And he has that whole he he plays SpongeBob as his walk-up song, which is just it's it's something fun that you can kind of get behind, right? Like the again, I'm always going to refer to the Nationals, but 2019 Nats they had the Baby Shark thing, right? It's it's good to have a guy that you can kind of rally behind as a fan, and it it it's it's good for the clubhouse too. Yeah. Um. One thing that was like nice though is Gerardo Parra was there for like more just like. The baby shark towards yeah, the he end was, where he wasn't he was literally he Oscar was Gonzalez there. is actually contributing. Like yeah. When you look at his player comps, he's his comps are Starling Marte and Alec Baum for this year. Like that's pretty good batted profile batted ball profile to be compared to. And you know, he his is he does struggle with velocity, but he punishes breaking balls. And if you can, you know, teach him more of like the contact style the Guardians are pushing. You know, that power is still going to be there against the breaking pitches. And maybe we can see, you know, a mid 800s OPS, like a nice breakout from him next year. Um, going into someone that is complete opposite of him is Stephen Kwan, who is straight slap hitting. He literally ranks in the first percentile for average exit velocity. That is the lowest percentile. But on the contrary, he is the 100th percentile for whiff rate. Like he does not swing and miss. Like it's really unique to see like this dynamic of player like still succeeding in today's game, and so much of his game is like he's a slap hitter. He's not going to hit it far, but he hits it where they're not. And I'm interested to see how he's going to play next year, considering the shift is going to be gone. And I mean, he's still going to have his value. Like he put up nine outs above average and won a gold glove. Like he's still going to be a very good player. It's just I'm really interested to see how his offense alters next year. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I remember watching one of those famous slap hitters of all time, Ichiro. Um, he, he could, he could, he could slap the ball. He could, okay, hey, he could, um, he could, he could put a ball. He could put the balls in play. But what he could do in in batting practice was put power on it. Does that make sense? Like, I think Stephen Kwan, if pitchers start to figure him out, and they start to realize that they, they, that he has a weakness. That he's going to try and adjust for power, for power's sake, I think. Um, so I, I think down the road, if 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 struggling to, you know, with a, with a low OPS or or low slugging percentage, I feel like down the road, he could make an adjustment to try. He his his strikeout rate might go up, and I mean that's that's clearly one of his one of his uh, highest attributes right now. But I think the, with the with the right adjustment, he has crazy good vision. So he he will be an elite hitter for a while, even if he if he can make that adjustment. Um, to your point, like the baseball is a game of adjustments, right? So obviously the pitcher is going to make adjustments to Quan. Quan's going to make adjustments back. It's going to be this back and forth dynamic. 
but the good players, the great players make those adjustments and find a way to keep being great, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely know what you're talking about. Yep. Um, and like one thing that's great is like all the rookies that are coming up, but it's backed by that pitching staff. And it was really important for the Guardians to have Shane Bieber at the helm this year. And, you know, when you look at Shane Bieber initially, they were like a genuine concern because the fastball velocity was just gone. Like it was sitting 91, 92 this year compared to what he had been like 93, 94, like not a huge decrease, but you know, that is pretty substantial when you're looking at someone that won a Cy Young with that velocity two seasons prior. But if you look at everything that's like under the hood, 288 ERA throws 200 innings for his team, but 200 innings is really important. He's consistent. His velo is down and the fastball got pummeled, but his slider, negative 11 run value, curveball, negative eight, cutter, negative seven. Like, and he struck out 198 batters, all without his fastball not being a good pitch. I think that's more of a testament to how good Shane Bieber is. And the fact that if he gets that fastball right this season, Shane Bieber's winning the 2023 American League Cy Young Award. Yeah, I think that's just another thing that solidifies the idea of making adjustments. I mean, he, ne- he never had a, a power fastball, but in the past, he would definitely strike out a lot more on on fastballs um and relying solely on breaking pitches to still strike out 198 batters and still dominate the league is is impressive so he's clearly making the adjustments you know some pitches over time lose their velocity and they have to rely on breaking pitches and that's just how it is but i think he's not at that age where his velocity's significantly dropped for the rest of his career i think he's gonna come back and he's gonna figure out the fastball and then he has even more pitches to worry about, you know, and, and that's 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 what makes him scary. Um, but are you guys ready to go into votes? You got anything to talk about? Anything else to cover? I think we just got to give props to that bullpen. I know a lot of like I personally couldn't really talk on their bullpen from the regular season, but they really got to be showcased in the postseason. So props to the Cleveland bullpen, like Class A, Karen, Check, Henkes, Stephen, Morgan, all those guys. Great job. Great team. Fantastic. Except for except for that that game, except for the, the the pivotal game against the Yankees was not the right the right not the right decision. But no. that's that's for we already talked about that. All right. So my Guardians grade, I have to give them an A plus. I I think just solely on how much they exceeded expectations. Um, you know, as I talked about before, ESPN predicted them to be twentieth. They're playing real life Moneyball and beating the teams that spend leagues more than them. Uh, it's it's impressive. Uh, Stevs, I want to know your grade right now. Uh, I'm a solid A. Uh, I don't think I've given any team an A plus. I don't think I've given any team an F either, though. So I'm kind of just in that zone where you're either an A or you're just you're. I I don't think any team deserves an A plus this season. But if I was gonna give an A plus, it would be to the Guardians. They had the lowest floor and reach the highest ceiling of all the teams um so yeah i gave him an a and speaking of a's aiden also gave them an a he unfortunately couldn't be here tonight but um we i do have his grades for you guys so i will be giving them out and he gave cleveland an a yeah i was gonna agree with you with giving them the grade of an a but something that i really liked and i think the thing that pushes them over for me is Terry Francona is having a team identity and sticking to it. I think that there's something special to be said about that. Like the teams that identified, like did that this year, like the Phillies, 
they had a team identity and you saw how that got them. Everything like that, the fact that they knew who they were and they played to it and they played to their strengths and acknowledged the fact that they had weaknesses but played around them, that's an A-plus baseball team right there. So the Cleveland Guardians are getting an A-plus for me. All right, and the uh, second-place finishing uh, was it the Twins, right? It was the Twins White Sox. The White Sox. It was the White Sox. At 81 and 81, the Chicago White Sox finished second Just in the AL mid. Terrible. That's, that's what's so surprising to me. I think these, to- these, these, these teams get blurred in your memory. You don't even remember which teams finish at which. I, I don't know how a team with so much talent like continues to disappoint. I mean, every year they do the same thing, and it's honestly annoying. Ooh, I mean, it's so disappointing. Every year the White Sox are just terrible. I, I'm not going to say the AL Central is the easiest division to no, – it's the easiest division, division to win. It's it's by far the easiest division to win, and this is why it's I had them at such a good the record. The Central's just easy. Yeah, and I, I think some injuries plague the season, but – I think the thing that played the season the most was clearly the manager situation. Um, just horrible calls. I mean, it's just – it is not well run. Um, and for such a, a, a talent, like a star-powered team, it, it's, not, it's not a result you want to see. I mean, this is like 10, 15 games lower than you want to see them be winning at this position. I mean, ESPN, I think, had him ranked two in all of baseball. They were supposed to finish with the second-best record in all of baseball. It's just another disappointing season from the White Sox. That's all I got on them. Yeah, this is their division to win, and they fell flat on their face. Um, and Tony LaRusso bent over to pick them up, and he pulled something in his back because he's old and senile, and it showed this season. Um, yeah. And I think the White Sox, we really all thought so high of them, and they were just so disappointing. Like, the bats didn't show up. They had two stars by like I think what we would define like Eloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu who no matter where he's going to be next season he's going to put up a good competitive season because he's a good ball player I think that team could have been nothing around him which it almost was at points and he's still going to put up a competitive bat and come to play every day and I think that comes with his veteran leadership but it's also he just loves playing and it didn't seem like this team liked playing baseball at points this year. And I genuinely think that's where all the struggles come from. I I agree with that take on the whole, they didn't even want to be there. It, it seemed at times that it was just like this point. I know um, uh, Luis Robert, Robert um, was dealing with a wrist injury, uh, but LaRusso just put him in anyways. And so he was literally just going up there and just putting the bat across the bat path just so he'd strike out. And it was like, I watched that game live because there might've been no hitter going on in one of them, but I was watching the game for some reason or another. Um, And it was like, what are they doing? I mean, I understand Robert's hurt and he probably shouldn't have been in the game, but that, that begs the question, why is he in the game in the first place? It it, it was, it was an interesting, I don't I don't know. It's just, it, it makes you scratch your head watching the game. Like, you're supposed to have nine guys out there that, that are trying to win the game. Not, not, and that, that should be obvious, but I guess it's not for this team, you know? Yeah. And that's not even the only time that happened that season. Michael Kopech had that outing in August where he hurt his hamstring in warmups and Tony LaRusso left him into the game, like left him in. And he goes, I think it was against the Royals and he allows three or four runs. His fastball is down two miles an hour. 
and then he's pulled. Well, he's clearly hurt, and Tony La Russa still let him pitch. I, I like, feel like at this point, the damage is already done. I feel like La Russa should have been gone a, a, a long time ago. He should have um, been gone halfway through this. The fact that when when Madden got fired and Girardi got fired, I expected him to go relatively soon after them and and the fact that he was still part of the club by the end of the year obviously he's gone now was was a surprise to me yeah i I, yeah hold on one thing brad i'm sorry um but the 2019 to 2022 white Sox could have been not not a dynasty maybe a dynasty but they they could have run the central they should have won the central every single one of those seasons Maybe not 2019, because we'll talk about how dominant the Twins were in 2019. I got a whole thing on that in a minute. But um, the, the White Sox have passed their prime, I think. I think I think they, they've ne- not necessarily run out of time, but you're losing a lot of big guys now. Yeah. Uh, and sure, you got new ones coming up, but you're running out of time to win here. And you had two years of, of absolute star-powered teams. How, how long does uh, Hendricks have on his contract? Hendricks, I don't even remember what contract. Was it 585? I think it was five that, years That sounds, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and he signed that after 2019, so it would give him two more years. So, I mean, realistically, without a closer like that, you're not you're not standing much of a chance. You got a good starting rotation, mm-hmm. uh, but you're losing Cueto, who actually had one of a, a, a great comeback season from him. Yeah, this is his um, best season since 2016, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So I mean the the problem isn't there. It's the fact that you're losing. You're losing a Bray. You said you're losing losing a Bray. I'm not sure. Tim Anderson might they be a did, free they agent. picked up his club option. Okay, okay. I know he was supposed. Every time I've run the Orioles simulation or played as them as in franchise and MLB the show, Tim Anderson's always a free agent. So that's yeah. It's the same thing with Nola. That's why I was confused the yeah. other day. Yeah, okay. I mean, they did. I because I was that's why I was looking. I wanted to touch on that. If he was, he they picked up his. I think they picked it up today. Okay. Um, and t- Tom mentioned Johnny Cueto. Like he came back and, or he came back. He wasn't even signed to a team when the season started. He didn't pitch until May sixteenth, and he was their second best pitcher this year behind Dylan Cease. Uh, just like Johnny Cueto, like the stuff under the hood did not look good. But you know what? He pitched better than it, and you got to give him credit for that. But Dylan C has had – he's a Cy Young finalist. He had his breakout year finally, 220 ERA over 184 innings. And honestly, it's a unique profile of I'm going to throw the ball at you. You're going to miss or you're going to walk, and there's not going to be too much of an in-between. He led the league in walks, and he also had the second-highest strikeout rate in the American League among qualified starting pitchers. So, like – Having a guy like that at the top of your rotation and not putting anything behind him, it's it's what the Marlins did this year with Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and Cease has always been a guy with extremely high strikeout numbers. Um, but just this year, you obviously saw he cut down on everything else. I mean, he cut down on everything else, the walks, the hits. I mean, he, he, he really improved and stepped up his game in every aspect um, while also maintaining the, the case for nine, if not making it even better than last year. Um, I just hope he can replicate that next season. I think, I think he will. I think he's figured it out out there. Um, you just got to hope that the, the White Sox can, you know, build around him. It's not necessarily easy to build around a pitcher. Um, but you do have some young guys in the field as well, like Eloy and, um, Robert. Yeah. 
And another one of those young guys was Andrew Vaughn, who kind of had a little bit of a breakout year for himself, like 111 OPS plus, not a bad season for himself. Like hopefully that's a guy that does produce for these White Sox because they need anything at this point. Like they got to the point where they picked up Elvis Andrews and he was pretty good for them. You know, Elvis Andrews, like the guy who has yeah. been abysmal over the past five years. He, he came there and was good for the White Sox. Yeah, uh, I mean, what what position does Vaughn even play? Is he a first base outfielder? He's a left fielder. Outfielder. Okay, okay, because uh, yeah, they they definitely they definitely lack in the field with with Eloy and Vaughn in the outfield. Well, Josh Harrison, I think, was their starting second baseman for a large majority of the year. And don't get me wrong, I love Josh Harrison. He was great when he was on the Nationals. He was great on the Pirates. He's cool to watch get out of pickles. He's not that good of a starting second he should not be a day in and day out starting second baseman at this point in his career so it's something that you are right i think their window to win anything is closing very quickly yeah i mean you missed john doll's prime i think he's he's far past that you missed he had a horrible you're year. gonna waste tim anderson's career i'm gonna be honest tim tim anderson had a great year for him and, yeah, it's all for nothing. It's it's unfortunate to see. I mean, he's he's got years left, but um, I don't know if that's a place they want to resign. You know, I don't. I if I'm Tim Anderson, I don't know if I would want to resign with the White Sox. Yeah, and and Brad, I, I'm just trying to gauge this here. Um, are the White Sox uh, an uh, one of the teams that follows analytics more? No, they actually said this offseason they're going to look to increase it a lot because they were saying they fell really behind this year. And it showed. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to see if there's any correlation between. I mean, there obviously is. There is. So, yeah, so there I'm just trying to see the teams that, the teams that fail and fall on their face, like the White Sox. They're not good. Not not very well run. Uh, in the analytics. A lot of the White Sox issue was that their farm system is weak. Um. So like when a team like the Dodgers or Rays have an injury, they can call someone up and they produce right. The White Sox didn't have anyone to call up. Yeah. I'm going to propose a question. If they don't do anything in the offseason and kind of run the same type of team back and it's not working out later in the next season, obviously this is – we're talking about the past season, but do you potentially trade pieces at the deadline and try and get prospects and just go full nationals and just – no, try anything. I, I don't think they can because they did that already. Yeah, and, and they, not to mention you do? got Cease now. I mean, you, well, you can't you can't give up the team one year after a breakout season. Oh wait, the national. I'm sorry that I'm talking about Soto. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You keep catching the strays here, Stevs. But um, but no, but I, like, I think yeah. Go ahead. It, there's just I, I mean I don't I haven't looked at their farm system, so I'm not I'm not a hundred percent. I don't know exactly what's coming up but i just don't see like they have pieces but i just don't see a team if that makes sense yeah like you look at this year like when the when i did my like evaluation of the team before the season the big highlight was the bullpen right yeah who would you have you had Liam Hendricks, Garrett Crochet, Kendall Graveman, Renato Lopez, Craig Kimbrell, until they traded him for AJ Pollock, which ended up being a horrible trade for both sides. You know, you had Michael Kopech who went to the starting rotation, and Garrett Crochet needed TJ. 
Liam Hendricks was fantastic. He was great. Like Liam Hendricks was good and he outperformed his expected stats said he was even better than that. You had Reynaldo Lopez, who was a good bullpen arm and had a pretty good inherited runner ERA, which is basically like you have the amount of inherited runners you had and the amount that scored and just the ERA is the percent of that. Um, so like that was good. Kendall Graveman was good, but he couldn't throw him back to back days. And then he had mediocrity everywhere. Yeah, I, I was very high on Garrett Crochet. Um, it's kind of kind of a shame to see him get go down with TJ. Um, I do think that with the way the TJ has been evolving and you know and, and getting better over the years, I think that he's gonna come back and be and be good. Not not like I don't I don't think it's gonna be detrimental to his career in a sense. Um I think having a power lefty in your bullpen has proven to work in the past. Um, and I mean, if I think if everyone was, was healthy and this team played more like a team, I mean, this is polar opposite to the guardians, you know, this team, it seemed like they didn't even know each other. You know, they were all just coming to play, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't know what I'm saying. The coach, I know what you're saying. the coach did not, the, the chemistry was not there. I mean, um, I think, I think everything starts from your coach, right? Like we were talking about with Frank Kona, he kind of led the way. This is how we're going to play, and we're going to play to our strengths. Frank or Russ was just kind of like, you guys go out there and play baseball the right way. Yeah. And that was that was it. Um, going back to – I was looking at their farm system while you guys were talking. They have two top 100 prospects that are not very – they're on the bottom half of the top 100, but their names are Colson Montgomery and Oscar Colas, I believe. Uh, they're sure, uh, Colson's a shortstop ETA in 2025, and then Oscar's an outfielder whose ETA is, is next season. Yeah, like I think there a lot of what the White Sox issue is is unfortunately Tony LaRusso did have a big impact on the culture this year. Um, I don't think that the front office was ready for this to happen. I think they were kind of expecting them to be a 90-95 win team because you looked at the trade deadline and they were chickens with their head cut off. They went and got Jake Diekman for Reese McGuire, and that was it. That was all they did. And that's disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, and that just sums up their whole season. I mean, I'm ready to get into the grade because my grade sums up their season. Um, yeah. I would, I did not hold back. I gave them an F. I, I, I really had high expectations for this team. Um, I don't think I even have to explain myself that much. I mean, every year I have the same expectations for this team. Cause they're for the last three years, they've been, uh, an eight tier team, um, that should be winning their division. And every year they actually, they, one year they, they, they proved me right. But, um, every year they disappoint me. So F is my grade. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, when I think of F, F is for failure, and that is exactly what they were this year. They are lost, and they're they're not in Rockies Red Sox territory yet, but they're getting there, and they are getting there quick. I'm gonna go with a D minus. That doesn't and exist. It doesn't okay. exist, but I made it, it up last exist. time. I made it, no, it, it does time. exist. It's a grade. It's a grade. It's not a grade. It's not a, a D minus. Grade. I'm giving it's them a D minus. I'm okay. giving them a D minus. 
it's my grading scale. I'm giving them grade. a B minus. Because I'm not gonna give them an We're F. Checking this right I don't now. We're think they right. I don't think they are give F them an F plus devs. If I didn't give the Rockies okay, if I didn't give the Rockies an F, I'm not gonna give the White Sox an F. Does that make you just sense? Gotta re- you just gotta regrade that one. Yeah, but no, no, I get you. But like, oh, are they gonna it's, it's a D or a D minus? So yeah. D minus? Am I going D minus? D minus made up There's D minus. Like asterisk next to that. For stabs. You, you you can put the asterisk. <laughs> we'll tell we'll tell Aiden to put the asterisk next to it, okay? Okay. Uh Aiden, speaking of, had him at a C minus. Someone I don't just, think this guy yeah. Someone just didn't do their research. <laughs> yeah, he, didn't. he said that. He said he yeah. didn't do the research. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I yeah. If you watch if you watch these games, you if you watch, watch game. the White Sox, they are F worthy. Again, the the White Sox, the Red Sox, and the Rockies are the three F-worthy teams that we've talked about so far. Then why haven't you given them one? They're F-worthy. I'm not saying they are F. I feel like if F is even in the conversation. I No, because no, because like you can get an F on a test, but be like, I did good work. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah. You're right. No. So you don't. That's not how it. life works. I don't think that's, ex- that's, that's exactly not how, how life works. <laughs> Tom did that how... once. Tom did that once in Bainey's class, and she was like, "This oh, isn't worth an real. F." And Bainey was like, "Yeah, you're right. It's not worth an F." It was exactly how it happened. So therefore, real D minus. Okay. All right. Moving on to the twins. Um. I'm curious what you guys think. I think I'm going to have an opposing opinion on this one compared to you guys. But uh, I, I think the record is disappointing. Uh, but you really had good rookie seasons from Joe Ryan, Jose Miranda. Uh, but the real rookie star on this team is is Duran, the relief pitcher. I, I think this guy will dominate the league for, for years to come. Uh, and I, I, honestly, a hot take. This is one of the hottest um, closing relief pitching seasons that I've seen since maybe like Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if I can give that that comparison, but the domination on the mound is crazy. Um, uh, I, I think, uh, oh yeah, this team wasn't expected to be good by any means. So um, I think ESPN had them at 500, um, but they have a good core again. And it's incredible because the 2019 twins, you know, the, the team that broke the all-time team home run record, they, 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 they're they all gone. A lot of those people are gone. They These are all new faces. They, they speed ran a rebuild, that if, if that makes sense. Like, they lost here, – here are some of the guys that they lost from that 101-win team. They lost Barrios, Jake Odorizzi, Taylor Rogers, Mitch Garver, CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope, Eddie Rosario. You got Prime Nelson Cruz. The whole team was flipped upside down after that, that postseason run. And the, 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 the fact that they're still – showing signs of life and, 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 and not only that, but also like threatening to win the division and showing that they have a future. I mean, you got guys like Royce Lewis and hopefully Austin Martin coming up next season that they, they, this core should move forward and, and maybe compete for the division next season. Um, but I'm curious what you gotta say, Brad, if you just, I want you to look at their starting pitching and tell me what, tell me if you say that exact same statement right after that. I think that Sonny Gray is a good pitcher. I think that he can't stay healthy. Absolutely. Uh, Kent Maia can't stay healthy and he has been ineffective. Um, he was out the entire year. Exactly. Joe Ryan is good. He's not great, but he's good. Um, 
yeah, I get it. I get it. The the, the starting is rough. Um, but the the position players and the uh and, and having Duran on the team, and I'm not saying they have a good bullpen either, but they have a core doesn't a core doesn't mean the whole team's good. You know what I'm saying? They have they have pieces that are young, that that can be that can be useful in the future. I I don't know. What do you think, Brad? I think that this Twins team lacks knowledge of what they're supposed to be. I think they think Byron Buxton is their star, but they at some point they're going to have to accept that he's not because he cannot play 100 games in a baseball season. And this year he played 92 games and he struck out 35% of the time. You can't have that from your leadoff hitter. Like that, yeah. that's not how you start a game. And you picked up, you made a trade this offseason. You acquired Isaiah Kiner for Leffa, and then you flipped him and Josh Donaldson for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. And the only reason that the Twins won that trade is because Gio Urshela had a good year this year. He was the only one that had a good year this year. The starting yeah, the pitching four. for the Twins. Yeah. No, like seriously, it's true. The Twins went out and paid $35 million for Carlos Correa. And he had a good year, but it was a step down from last year. Like last year, he won the Platinum Glove. This year, he was a negative three outs above average. I don't know if that's a testament to the Astros infield coaching or if that's just a poor, poorly run Minnesota Twins environment. And I think the Twins, the rookies were good. I do agree with that. Royce Lewis came up for 12 games and it was good, but then he, he tore it up and then he tore his ACL. And then Jose Miranda was good. Jose, uh, Yohan Duran was good. And I honestly forgot they got Chris Paddock before the season. I actually forgot that. Uh, he got TJ. Dylan Bundy had the second most innings pitched on this team. And he was horrible. Like, I think this team's a bit farther away. And this season's so negative in my eyes because of how long they spent in first place. Yeah, I think it's all perspective just because of how, how bad this division is. And I, I could say, but in no other division would this team be in first place. You know what I'm saying? And and so, I, I don't think at least. The Twins were, wouldn't be in first place in the NL East. They wouldn't be in the NL West. You know, they wouldn't be in first place anywhere but the AL Central, which is the Mickey Mouse division. It's easy to be in first place, I guess. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like I'm just thinking about the ceilings of these guys. I mean, Chris Paddock has not been good in years. But when he was good, he was he was good. Um, Kenta Maeda peaked in 2020, clearly, but hasn't been able to stay healthy since and hasn't really been that good other than that. I mean, he got hurt this year, obviously. Um, I'm pretty high on Sonny Gray. Uh, it's just he can't stay healthy. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's three guys that if they were able to reach their ceiling again, three of the five starters that if they were able to reach their ceiling again, they would, they would be good. And you already got Joe Ryan, who I think, is gonna is gonna be better than you think. Are you not very high on Joe Ryan? I like Joe Ryan because he features a really low arm slot. So even though his fastball doesn't like the metrics don't grade out that it has the rise, it does have the rise effect. The only issue is that all three of his off-speed pitches get absolutely pummeled. And there's something that stands out to me is he was pitching at Dodger Stadium against the Dodgers. And obviously, like, yes, a team like this is gonna feast on mistakes. But he didn't have his fastball that game, and they put up five runs in like two or three innings against him. And I think when he goes against good lineups, that's going to happen. 
Well, I was looking over. They would be no higher than third in any of the other divisions. I think the lowest they would have been is fourth, but no higher than third. Um, they're just right now. I don't know a lot about the Twins. I'll be I'll be a hundred percent honest, but then none of the names just pop off the paper, right? Like you do have. You do have Luis Arias, who was a, was an All Star this year. He played very well. Buxton is Buxton's the name that pops off the page for the Twins, and he's just he, he can't stay healthy. Again, we've we've we're beating we're we've talked about it four four different times now, but he can't stay healthy. You need your stars to stay healthy, which is something that is it, it's hard to do, especially now in this day and age. But I was looking over their farm system, and they have three top 100 prospects that are all slated to come up within the next couple years. Um, they got Brooks Lee. Uh, he's a shortstop. And then Royce Lewis, he came up towards the end of this year or whatever. Um, and he, he played well, like Brad said, and then tore his ACL and was out. Um, and then Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's an outfielder. Um it's it was a bad season. I was expecting I think I was expecting a little more from them because they did go out and trade first Sonny Gray and then Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. But I'm not gonna say I'm disappointed in the twins because I really wasn't expecting a lot. I was expecting maybe a competition a little bit, give the White Sox a run for their money. That's what I thought. And I mean, they did give the White Sox a run for their money, just not for the division. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like the offseason moves. Like they also were trying to do something at the deadline. Like they went and got Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, and that didn't turn out well. Like he he pitched pretty poor there, four thirty seven ERA. They got yeah. I was about to say Tyler Male, because uh, when you were talking about their starting pitching having a core, I was like, you're forgetting one. Tyler Molly comes over, he gets four starts and he gets hurt. He was, yeah, he was not very effective. I didn't want to even include him just because I looked at his overall season stats and they were just very underwhelming. I, I think as a red, he had a good season, right? He, I mean, not like a great season, fine. but more of like a, like a three or four. Um, I just don't know how young he is, which is why I didn't include him in that. No, four. He, he, I like him as a starter. Like I would love him on the Dodgers because he'd be a Cy Young candidate with the Dodgers. It's just. Yeah. Um. And I mean, back to the analytics question: Is this team analytically run very well? Because I think that can impact a lot of things. Middle of the line. There's like f- juggernauts of it: the Astros, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Rays. To some degree, the Yankees and the Giants are getting there right now. Uh, Cardinals are kind of there, and then there's like a pretty steep drop off to like the middle of the pack teams. And then you get to your bottom five. And they, I'd say they fall in that middle of the pack. Okay. Um, do you guys think that Buxton in the future would have like sort of, I mean, I'm comparing him to Aaron Judge, not by the way he plays, but by the way that he's out all the time. Do you think that Buxton has the potential to, you know, we, we, we all thought Aaron Judge was glass from 2019. I mean, from, yeah, after his rookie season to before this season, he couldn't stay healthy. Um, you see, well, I mean, sorry, the season before last, sorry. Um, 
he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, and everyone, everyone called him glass. And when he actually was able to last a full season, he became Aaron judge again. Um, so I'm just saying Buxton, imagine Buxton in 162 games. I did a 162 game average. This guy is crazy. He just can't make it. Um, he's got a very high strikeout percentage, but so does judge, you know, he's going to hit a lot of home runs. If he's healthy, he can be a gold glove defender, steal, <laughs> steal 30 bases. He's going to hit a 30, 30 season. If he stays healthy the whole season, that's not a hot take. I don't think, oh. um, it's just yeah, a matter of whether he can actually survive. Of can he stay healthy? Which, yeah, it's possible, but not likely, right? Like Judge this year, it's possible, but not likely. That's kind of that's the risk that a lot of teams are looking at when they're taking on Judge, because Judge doesn't hasn't has a history of not staying healthy, right? I mean, something's clearly clicked with him though, because he's lasted two seasons in a row now, um, consistently being healthy. Um, and, uh, and I, I think that if, if, if Buxton could figure out the formula, he's going to be an MVP candidate. I, I'm not saying that I he's think there, he might but... need a change of scenery before that happens before no, he can he stay. Did sign I don't a know. Seven year deal. <laughs> but yeah, I know exactly. I'd say, but I'd say, I don't know if he can stay healthy on the twins is what That's I'm trying right. to say. Yeah. I think. I think we've done a pretty good job highlighting what went Minnesota wrong here. Twins. And I think moving into grades, um, I they're not F category for me, but they're certainly not C category for me. I got to give them the, a cold hard D. Just they weren't good enough to. I think if you finish their season maintaining the pace that they kept for a majority of the year, which is a, a 500 ball club, you're probably getting a C minus a C. But when you were in the first in the division for so long and you had such a, such a steep fall off towards the end, like you, you get the D. This is going to look interesting on the graphic. Cause I gave them a B minus. Um, you just have so many new faces. You have so many new faces show up and you only, you only um, you don't meet expectations, but you're only down four games from preseason expectations. Um, and this is no no one thought when you're comparing expectations to reality, you kind of expected this team to just do bad. But not only did they they did bad, but they showed signs of man, there's actually players that are replacing what we've lost. And yes, they're lacking in several areas, as we highlighted, but. There is talent coming up in the in the Twins organization, and and I think that there's a, a brighter future than you guys give them credit for. So I think giving giving a preview of the future is is another thing is another factor that I weigh in for the uh, grading. So I a B minus for them. Stevs, what do you think? Uh, I had them at a C minus, so I was a little higher than on Brad, but not as high as you. Uh, Aiden had them at a D plus. So that pretty much wraps up the twins. I feel like we definitely highlighted all of their areas of need and where they lacked. Let's uh, I feel like that was, that was, that was probably the, Good. that was probably the most different we've ever voted. Right. We've, we've all been relatively within a letter of each other. Right. That's the furthest. That's there the was most one team. There was one team where we went B minus B, B plus a minus. 
Yeah, okay. but that's that's all like right. That was the biggest contrast there. we've ever had. That was yeah. we went D plus to B minus. Lucas was, that that difference is about that much. Well, because we can, can't see that. <laughs> you should watch on YouTube. Continuing on this awful wow, this division sucks. This oh my division god, is this terrible. division was horrible. The Detroit we were, Tigers were supposed to take Javi Baez. And possibly be a team that competed for a wild card spot, and not one of their classified starting players had an OPS plus over 100. This team is hopeless. This is the bad side of rebuilds. This is this is the, the you know when you see rebuilds, you see good rebuilds like the Astros, and then you see this. When you have a front office during you you have a bad front office during a rebuild, this this is what happens. And they're, they're tanking, they're drafting bad players, and seemingly making the wrong decision at every turn. It, it seems like they can't make a right decision. And they've been in a rebuild pretty much since the 2014 season when they last made the playoffs. Um, I just want to highlight the the horrible signings they had this offseason. You had Eduardo Rodriguez and Javi Baez. We're obviously going to highlight that. Um, but not only did you sign him, you signed him to a long-term deal. It, it's like putting money into a, a into a fire. And 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 did they did they think that they were prepared? To, to start signing these players. It looked like it last year. It did look like they were ready to make strides forward. Yeah, I but 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 they but they signed I, I guess I guess yeah, they have a point, but they signed the wrong people, I think. Um I don't know who thought that Javi Baez would be the, the answer. I, I, I mean I don't know if anyone did. I think we all saw that that Javi Baez was going to regress. Um obviously he had he had a crazy vision um early in his career where he could just make contact with pitches to hit the ground but he doesn't have that anymore he just swings and misses now and he, it's not even close anymore it, it's it, it's an adjustment he's gonna have to make i guess and his gold glove defense is that still there or it fell I mean, off a little bit but it's still pretty decent yeah uh, yeah so that's bringing us on to the next part they uh, they have no pitching really they oh. This is Javi Baez, by the way. Oh yeah, that's a lot of blue right there. Um, Top to bottom. I mean, the exit you velocity watch this on YouTube, so you guys can see this. The exit velocity is high, just because the max exit velo. The max exit velo. Never mind. Average exit velo is thirty-one percent. Thirty-one percentile. Thirty-first. Oh my god, I can't read. On sprint speed. He was Look bad. The... It's just oh, he, was he was bad. bad. Top to bottom, bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking at the guys they have kind of coming up and stuff like that. They have they have three top 100 prospects. They have Jackson Job, who was he came up this year, right? No, no. But I, he's ETA's 2025. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm in MLB the Show. I think I traded for him in MLB the Show. That's why. Um, no, but then we got Jace Jung. He's a second baseman. He looks like he should be good. And then Wilmer Flores, right-hand pitcher. ETA should be up next year. Um, but I really, you went out and you took, uh, everyone knew Javi Baez was going to be a leap of faith and you jumped off the building and fell straight to your death. That's, that's what, that that's that's what happened for the Tigers. They took a chance on Javi Baez, and he literally swings at balls in the dirt way before they get to the plate. 
it's 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 shocking to see the fall of grace from a player that was looked upon so highly to to what he is right now. I'm hoping he can bounce back. There's a I can see a way he can bounce back, but based on the analytics Brad showed us, it's going to be very hard. Um, but another storyline that I want to highlight is Miguel Cabrera this season. He had a great season. He hit okay. He didn't have a great season. Okay, he had a good season. He hit milestones. That's the big point. He had a career milestone. It felt like every other day or whatever. Um, is he retiring? So he said that he his contract is through twenty twenty four, but he said he's really going to evaluate his health, and it, he might retire. He should, he should retire. He but... did. He's done everything he needs to do. Yeah. At this point in his career, I think retiring is the best thing for him. And I also then I think maybe the Tigers can finally like move on in a way and yeah. kind of do something new. Yeah, and something that the Astros have or sorry, the Astros. I was thinking their manager, AJ Hinch. The Tigers have already given up. They fired their GM, who just supposedly completed a rebuild. Like, they might have to enter another rebuild. And you look at the pieces that came up. Spencer Torkelson was bad. Riley Green was bad. Akil Badu came up last year. He was bad. Candelario, their guy, was bad. Baez, as we said, was atrocious. Casey Mize made two starts. Then he needed TJ. Tarek Skubal got the finest card for this team and barely had an ERA plus over 100, over 117 innings. Like, this team is so fractured, incomplete. Like, this is a bad baseball team. I mean, this is just like rebuild inception. You're going to have to start a rebuild inside of a rebuild. And it's 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 interesting because you don't usually see that. You don't usually, I mean, actually, you see rebuilds fail sometimes, but this is a this is a big fail. I mean, this Them is wasting. And the Pirates are the only teams I can think of recently that have just been rebuild, rebuild. It's, it's decades at this point that they just can't get anything up off the ground. Well, not for the Tigers. I mean, yeah, but it's at the rate they're going, it's going to be decades. Yeah, I mean, Brad, you talked about the rookies. Um, I, I think that you understate how bad Spencer Torkelson was this season. I mean, he wasn't just bad. He was horrible. He, he literally, I, I don't know what his strikeout rate was, but when he came up, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. He, he did manage to go through a bit of a, a, a hotter stretch midway through the season to raise his average up to maybe 200, but... But it was not it was not a good season for Spence Torkelson. I will say Riley Green was not horrible. He's really good in the field. Um, he's not very good on the offensive side, but I think there's a bit of a future there. I just don't know what happens to a player like Torkelson. I mean, this is the first overall draft pick I think um, who shredded in the minors. It's it's like where's where does that go? So I think Jared Kelnick. I think he can adjust. I I don't think he's Kelnick. I think he'll be okay. I think it's just gonna take some time to adjust i think he'll make the adjustments in the off season again we're going to need to see how it plays out next season but i think i think he he can be okay yeah maybe not like star studded player best player on the team type but maybe a good two three 
Yeah. And I think the only positive this team had was Andrew Chafin. He's proven time and time again that he's a reliable relief option and he's entered free agency once again. Uh, you know, 283 ERA. And he was in the 87th percentile for whiff rate. I didn't know that. I didn't think like he was that type of guy. He's like, everything looks really good, like under the hood, like good ball player. I didn't expect that, to be honest with you. I think that was pretty, that was pretty much their only good pitcher this year who also looked good under the hood. And you, and you said he's a free agent this year? Yep. Okay. So he's gone. So, I mean, this is just, they didn't trade him. Yeah, what this is this is this is another Rockies example. What is happening? What did they do anything at the deadline? Did they uh, trade anyone? I think they um, traded one pitcher, right? I they had to. Uh, they traded Michael Fomer to the Twins. That's the one. Yeah. Uh man, friendly fire. Um I want to talk about Austin Meadows. Brad, he didn't play. I was I, I love Austin Meadows. I mean, he was great on the Rays. Um I was like I I was super high on him when he got traded to the Tigers. I was like this might actually be a good move. This might work. Um, did he get injured or was he just really bad? I don't. He um, he struggled with the clubhouse environment and then had to cut his season short due to mental health issues. That's what it was. So yeah, he got hurt. I mean, that's just how it is playing for the Tigers, man. It, it messes you up. I, I that's it's. I don't know. There is no, there's nothing good to take from the season. I don't think there's a single victory that you can you just take. Gotta look forward to next. That's really all you can do. Yeah, you gotta hope for the best. As a Tigers fan, God, this division is Detroit horrible. It, this is this is like, oh, I can't, I can't even describe. I, I knew the season was bad, but this is like, like moving it, like a, you know, like when you clean under like the the fridge or something, you like move it over and you <laughs> see like it's even worse than you imagined. This is horrible. Yeah. There's no direction or any talent on this team. Um, I'm ready to get to the grades. Do you want to highlight anything else, Brad? F. Yeah. F. Yeah. Universal. We all we no. all the same thing. Seven. How are you not at an F on this? Seven. You can't do this. I'm not. What do you got? What do you got? Okay. Uh, if I hear a D minus, I'm writing down an F and muting you. I'm writing it down. So where are you gonna go? <laughs> just fucking put an F down. Just put an F down. Okay, there go, good. Brad. There's your F. Uh, speaking of the terrible graders, uh, Aiden Franklin had them at a, a D. Um, that's okay. I don't know. He, okay, he clearly <laughs> did not watch the Central, nor did 90% of America. I mean... Uh, yeah, we know, I guess, we know but, a guy that calls himself Detroit fan, and I don't know if he watched a single Detroit game. But right, let's, let's just – let's get – I can't talk about the Tigers anymore. On to the Royals. Great. Um, I thought that they were going to be able to steal a couple wins this year. This team went 65 and 97. And something that I was really excited about for this team is I thought that Zach Ranke was going to bring, like, a really good presence to this team – and really helped the pitching staff. And that didn't happen. Uh, the pitching staff was abysmal. Zach Ranky was okay. But this is one of the, org- you keep, you ask me like organizational analytics. This is Rockies, Rangers, Nationals, Royals of 
They have no idea what analytics is. Their philosophy is your fat, your forcing fastball might be great, but you're going to go and throw a sinker for us. That is their philosophy. Uh, and let me, let me look up. Go ahead. Like you, you look at what they did. They did some things right. And that's trade away the guys that were good at and the trade it, deadline. Even then, it, you it, you took three, four years to pull the trigger on Bobby. I mean, uh, on uh, not not um, Whit Merrifield, not Bobby Whit. Yeah. Whit Merrifield. He is past his prime. He was trade deadline gold three years ago, probably. And for the last three seasons, they've skipped trading him. You got rid of Benintendi. That was good. I mean, this is the first trade deadline where you actually got something out of it for the Royals. They, yeah. For the last couple of years, they've been a little bit disappointing for the trade deadlines, considering that they're in a rebuild. But, like, it, it, it's – it's when I saw that Whit Merrifield got traded and Benintendi got traded, I said, finally, you know, like, it, it, it's finally you, you just commit to it or something. Um, I, The pitching was horrible, but Brady Singer, I guess, was the, the focal point. He was he was good. I mean, I don't know the under-the-hood stats for Brad. Brad's under-the-hood stats. He's shaking his head. Not looking very good. Um, You want to know a sad, sad stat? What is it? He was the only starting pitcher – for the Kansas City Royals that had a hits per nine lower than nine. That's actually crazy. That's bizarre. That that just highlights that has to be the worst pitching staff in all of baseball then, right? I I think it was. Is either them or the Rockies. Well the Rockies would make a little bit more sense, but the Royals have a, a relatively pitcher friendly ballpark. So that's that's like that's a little bit like I, I don't know. Well, let's let's look at the roster really quick. Like, do you look at oh. like their big offensive pieces were Bobby Witt, who had a pretty good rookie campaign. You know, twenty twenty season actually had thirty stolen bases. His OPS is nothing to be like, you know, wow, that was a nice OPS. It was a one hundred two OPS plus, but his speed is electric. He can play pretty good defense, and I think there's definitely potential there. And then the other big piece supposedly was Salvador Perez. And he he didn't stink it up this year, but relative to what he did last year, like last year he put up 47 home runs. He was third place in American League MVP voting. And he puts up 23 home runs this year. Um, that's really a huge step back for him. And the last rookie that I'll touch on real quick was Vinny Pasquantino. He was really good, except he... Uh, he underperformed his expected stats. So he had an 832 OPS, and he was supposed to be better than that, according to his expected stats. So that's a guy I like. He's going to be really good on a different team past his prime. Absolutely. That's that's how it is with the Royals. I mean, I, I also – I'm not going to say MJ Melendez is, like, good, but he contributed to that Royals rookie home run record. They shattered their own record um, with rookie home runs in a season. The rookies were hitting, um, and they were producing pretty well. I'm not gonna say they were fantastic, but um, I would say this is the most rookies I've seen play at a team consecutively. I, I think I've ever seen that. Like they called up so many players this season. Was well, it half of it was because half their team wasn't vaccinated when they went to Canada. That yeah, that too. Um, it's it's just it, a lot of new faces on this team. I don't even recognize them anymore. Um, but I'm hoping that that they can kind of develop, but it's hard to develop without analytics. So uh, I don't know. Then the next batch, 
I looked at the farm system, which is not horrible, but um, it's not it's not that good. Um, but it's not horrible. Um, their nets batch isn't until 2025. So their 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 best rookies are are far from the majors. It's they have clear one they, they, top 100 prospect. It's Gavin Cross. In yeah, they they, they he's gonna be good though. Um, He'll be good. He's just you gotta he's wait far from the pros. And oh, he's got a ways to go. He's seventy two. He's seventy two in the top one hundred. Yeah, it's. And Alberto Mondesi played fifteen games this year. Like, is Scott Barlow was actually a pretty good closer. Like, he's a guy that I would, I if I were a team that was in desperate need of a closer, I would give a call to, the Royals, being like, hey. What do you want for Scott Barlow? Because expected stats love him. Spin rate, uh, sorry, spin rates are solid, but like pitch shape's not going to improve given what they have. So if I'm like, if I'm the Orioles, that's a move I would like. The Orioles calling for Scott Barlow, like that'd be a really good piece to set up Felix Bautista possibly. Yeah, I'm just looking up the age. How old is Barlow? He's got to be like... 27 28 uh, he is 29 so that'd be 29. that'd be a good trade piece that'd be a good you, trade you piece. get a lot you would get a lot in return for they're it, not gonna so. trade them though you gotta trade they gotta yeah. trade michael no a. They're, taylor. The, they're the royals uh, they're not gonna trade no one's gonna trade people. for michael a taylor you need a defensive center fielder yeah <clears throat> the only team that would have done that would have been the yankees they had aaron judge he's not as good of a defender as michael a taylor Judge is elite, though. I think I would uh, rather have Aaron Judge. In I would rather have Aaron Judge too. Yeah. I'm not. Dis- I'm not disagreeing. I'm, I'm just prefer- not disagreeing. Get this you. on I'm recording. Just, I'm saying prefers- no, no. I'm yeah, saying he's a defensive player. So if you, he's a good trade piece. You could get maybe a lower prospect back because you're not going to use Michael A. Taylor. I mean, Michael A. Taylor is a, a five star uh, player without the whole hitting. At he's all. A, so he's, he's a, a five star. tool. He's a five tool player without any of the tools. No, he's got speed. He's got defense. He can. He can definitely. He's a good IQ. Yeah. Looks like I actually Michael met him in person. Too. Great guy. Great guy. But we're getting off topic. Are you guys ready to get to grades, Brad? You uh, I just have one more guy I want to highlight real quick. Okay. Uh, Dylan Coleman. Uh, he was a guy I was looking at earlier in the year because I was looking for like trade candidates for the Dodgers around the trade deadline, and he was a guy I was interested in. Because this is only his second year, and he put up 1.7 baseball reference war this year. He's got a 266 career ERA. The one thing I find really interesting about him is his fastball spins in the 93rd percentile. So it's spinning around 2,400 RPMs. But as a result of the Royals not being able to know how to use that, his spin is ridiculously inefficient. So what that means is like, say your fastball spun a lot but it had six percent efficiency only six percent of this spin is contributing to the movement of the ball i I understand that yeah yeah and so his as a result of that his movement's below average but you give him to a team like the rays who understand how to use that that's an that's a jason adam right there like that's a guy that's gonna go out and be ridiculous but the issue is the Royals don't know what to do, and they have the philosophy that, hey, this guy could have a possible 75-grade fastball, but go throw us a sinker. So Because it's broken, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, grades, Stevs, what, what were your thoughts? 
but I had them at a C. They just they were there. They had a season. They played. <laughs> they brought up a lot of people. There's really there's really it's there's not much to really knock on them. I wasn't expecting a whole a lot from them and I didn't get a whole lot back. So it was a solid C. Aiden had them also at a C. So I guess we were right there together. Yeah. Um I gave them a C minus. It's more of like okay. Like this was a baseball team that played baseball in the 2022 MLB season. Um, I do like the fact that they fired Dayton Moore and they fired Mike Matheny. So with a new front office coming in, I'd really like to see them incorporate analytics because they do have some rookies and they, as we've pointed out, they have some bullpen arms. They're like, Hey, you give these guys like, you know, a boost in the right direction. You might actually have some studs here. I think the ceiling on this 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 rookie class and the pitchers you mentioned too, if they can be used correctly, and this is what happens with with players like Jason Adam, they just get traded and then become amazing. I, I wouldn't want as a as a fan of the Royals, I wouldn't want to see them leave and and, and do amazing, you know. And that's what's going to happen if they don't change. And I think they have a decent future in store. Um, but I give them a C. Uh, I'm happy with the I'm happy with the rookie performances. Um, but there's just nothing else other than that. So, and they can't carry the team. And so with that, you've heard the AL central and I got to be honest, this division, well, it's difficult to talk about. It was difficult to talk about this division because we get excited. You heard our enthusiasm talking about the NL West, the AL East, all of that, but there's just such dullness to this division. There was no way to put a positive spin on what happened to these teams besides the Guardians. But you go to the Twins, they fell off. The White Sox were such a disappointment. And then you had the Tigers and Royals sitting at the bottom of the division. The Tigers, they might have to enter another rebuild. And I don't know how you get worse than their 66-win season. Yeah, their 66-win season. You're going to have to get worse than that to rebuild. This Royals team, which is... I think more so restricted by the technology that's provided to them in the front office more than the team itself. And I think we could really have a, we could talk about this in the off, like as the off season goes on, what this team needs to do, what they need to pick up in order for this division to be an ounce competitive next year. And so do you guys have any final thoughts? Just, just a lot of, a lot of progress needs to be made. And for all of the teams, except for Cleveland, I really think that, I think that needs to be said. Um, there, I don't think any of the any of the teams in the Central, other than the Guardians, are are close to uh, playoff success or even making the playoffs. It's That's going to take say. time for all these teams to. De- they're they're all young. Besides, I would say besides the White Sox, all these teams are relatively young, and it's just. It's going to take time. I think the the Royals, outside of the Guardians, I would say the Twins and the Royals are, are the next two that I'd be worried about because I don't see the Tigers really going anywhere anytime soon, and I don't see the, the – I, I honestly think the Yankee or not the Yankees, the White Sox are going to have a, a terrible season next season, assuming they don't do anything in the, the offseason. Yeah. All right, so that'll do it for this – episode recapping the al central you know 
this division, it was certainly a division in baseball. We will be back with you later this week with the AL West. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything else in between. Spotify is in there and YouTube at 4A Podcast. We will see you all next time. Peace.